You guys know we're a Pentecostal church, right? <laughs> I, I, I see that. I see that in, in, in our worship. I see that in our worship time. But I, I just want to take a moment. Let's, let's bow our heads together. And um, could you just play a little bit of that last song and just, just to play over us as, as we, we worship a little longer? Um, God, we would just want to be in your presence more, more and more and more. And we just lift up our voices all over the room. Just, just praise his name and uh, lift up the name of Jesus. The names of God, the names of Jesus. Lift up what you're thankful for. Lift up your grandkids. Lift up your kids. God, we're thankful to you. If you have no words, but you have... You have that language you can pray with the Lord. Lift that up to him and just, just, just make a raucous noise in here of our prayers being lifted up to God. God, we're thankful to you. Jesus, as we get closer to Easter, we're, we're reminded of what you did on the cross and we're thankful. We don't feel like we deserve it, but we are so thankful of what you've done. You chase after us. You chase after us, God. And God, right now we want to lift up those in our, our community that are, are the lost sheep, those that have, have been in church that, that maybe are not in church right now, but there's, uh, there's a heart and a life in them to be with you. And I just pray, God, that you would call your lost sheep home wherever that might be here, God, wherever they need to be in this community, whatever church that might be, whatever house group that might be in, we pray, God, that you would draw them back to you. And God, as you're doing that, those that have never heard from you, have never received you in their lives and in their heart, God, I just pray that you would be calling to them because, God, you build the church. You build the community that's following after you, not us. God, we just pray that you would. You would draw them to you, that they would be drawn to you like, like thirsty people going through a desert, knowing that just up ahead, there's the relief of an oasis. God, we just pray that for our community. We pray, God, that you would, you would not only move in their lives, but, God, you would move in the church at large, the church not just in Wenatchee, but the, the church in the United States. God, we just pray that you would, you would move in our hearts as a church to, one, ask forgiveness for the things that we may have done to push out people from our community, the things that we may have said as a church. God, and I pray that our, the church at large would rise up and be heard on things that are important to you, not just political to us. We praise you, Father God. We pray for our leaders. God, we pray for the leaders we don't agree with. We pray for the leaders that sometimes we vilify. Forgive us for that, God. We know that we're supposed to pray for them because you have placed them where they are. 
We praise you, Father God. We thank you for this worship time. We love you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Whew. So I've been telling, I was telling the worship team earlier that I, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. And you know, and I think that sometimes that's, that's God trying to get our attention. Sometimes it's Netflix and we're, we're binge watching something. But you know, <laughs> please forgive our, our binge watching, Lord. Um, those of you that don't know what binge watching is, um, talk to somebody else in the room. I'm sure that there's somebody that's chuckling about it right now. Um, we have been going through Philippians, and we are getting closer to the end. We will be finishing up just before Easter. Um, but if you want to turn to where we're going to be, we're in Philippians 3, chapter 3. And I had my place saved. I saved another spot. New Bible, too. So, you know, when you have a new Bible, you kind of don't know where everything is. It's kind of a cool feeling, actually. Um, well, this morning, I've got a little bit extra in here, so hopefully we, we can have lunch today. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but uh, the, the series we've been going through is called New Beginnings, Discovering Our Impact. Have we been discovering an impact that we can have in this community? Anybody? Okay, maybe I've fallen short on that one. Okay. But I hope we have. I hope there's some, some discovery going on in your hearts. Um, I know that there, there are gifts that we have that we know about, but God's always working um, in new ways, is he not? I mean, the scripture says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, not us. <laughs> and even how he works. You look in the scripture, how he works in people's lives. I mean, he healed a bunch of blind people, right? But he did it different ways. So he's moving in our lives in different ways. And um, as we go forward here, the big idea this morning um, is this. Faith clarifies what matters most. Faith clarifies what matters most. That's true, right? Whatever we have faith in will show us what matters most. Let's pray for God's revelation this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you again um, for your worship. We thank you for the worship team, God, and, and their talents being used to um, to draw us into your, your throne room, to, to kneel, to raise our hands, to raise our voices before you, God. And we just thank you for how you give us something that we can give back to you um, in our worship. We praise you. We thank you. Uh, reveal to our hearts this morning um, truths about you, truths about ourselves, truths about our community um, as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start in Philippians 3, uh, verses 2 through 9. Uh, look out for, uh, for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he is, has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. 
But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So Paul's taking a little bit of a direction change here. We've been going through and we've been talking about um, the first couple of chapters is talking about joy, and we're going to find that it goes back to joy. But in this little section in the middle, um, part of the reason why we know that Philippians had to have been written by Paul, because he has this like way of going one direction, all of a sudden, way over here, you know, and you're like, what was that? But he really does. He's taken a little bit of a turn, um, and so far, um, we've had joy, and now we're talking about dogs and, and evildoers and, and beware, and... Um, this Paul, Paul's taken this section to a, a false mindset, um, as it were, when it comes to the gospel. There's, there's this false mindset that he's speaking against. Um, in other letters, Paul um, would, would take this little turn to actually um, start to admonish the church or, or to correct them. You, you would hear something where they're, they're getting a little bit of a, you know, or a, you know, wake up. Um, a little bit of that prophetic side of Paul coming out. Um, how many know that p- prophetic people can be blunt? <laughs> and, and I really believe, I mean, Paul was, was um, an apostle. He, he, you know, he had that uh, apostolic nature, but I think he also had that prophetic nature. I mean, how he called things out and, and said, I'm not going with that Mark guy. <laughs> anyway. Um, but in this one, he, he's just pointing out this difference of thought. He's not really correcting the church because he finds such joy in them, but he wants to make sure that they don't go down a road where he would have to correct them. Um, and so he's, he's throwing out some correction for the future. Um, talking about Judaizers, um, the, the dogs that he's talking about, um, he, he's pointing to the Jewish leaders or, or those that have a Jewish background that would... Um, point towards um, fulfilling the law or circumcision being part of the way. Um, and and what, they, what they could do to, um, to further their own righteousness. However, Paul was pointing out that even um, someone like himself um, that could have the biggest claim on, on this righteousness, um, uh, this form of law-keeping, is really less about it's really less about what you know and really about who you know. Amen? Um, the first point is this. Um, beware stupid dogs. Didn't quite say that in there, but um, I, I like to think about this. Um, now, and I'm not talking about like those stupid dog videos you see like on YouTube. You know, like they're doing stuff like trying to jump in, into something and they totally miss or... Um, well, maybe that's cat videos. Um, and I'm not really talking about like the stupid pet tricks. You remember David Letterman doing the stupid pet tricks? And, um, and, and some of them were really like, why? Um, but in verse 2, we see Paul is, is t- uh, telling us to beware of dogs. Beware of the dogs. Um, dogs was a term that usually was used to describe us, the Gentiles, uh, the unclean, um, 
calling us curs or dogs was um, something that the leadership of the day, it was just part of their language. Um, and yet Paul, this is not lost on Paul because he's using these terms to actually call out that leadership. Um, Paul is hearkening back to Isaiah's comment commentary on the shepherds of Israel in, in, in um, Isaiah 56.10. Um, he had, has this thing where it's, it's talking about um, leaders that are s- like silent dogs. Um, dumb dogs is another version. Um, and that's where I get the stupid, but um, dumb meaning quiet. Because how many know that like a guard dog that's quiet is a worthless guard dog? Um, but I really love how how the message says this. Um, and this is where I got the stupid dogs. Um, they are dogs, uh, they're dogs without sense enough to bark. Doesn't that, doesn't that really fit? I mean, it, they're dogs without the sense enough to bark. They're lazy dogs dreaming in the sun. Dogs without a sense enough to bark. Th- th- those, those dogs will not warn anyone of impending doom. <laughs> They'll just sit next to you and (laughs) all the way up until the end. Stupid dogs. Now, guard dogs that don't don't bark leave their masters unguarded and and are not worthy to be guarding. And Paul was condemning or commenting on the Judaizers' um, sense of self-importance, those that had missed the Messiah in Jesus Christ or at least missed the point of Jesus, and that Jesus is the only way to true righteousness. They were focused on what they could do rather than who Jesus was and is. They missed Jesus because they could not see past their own stuff. Anybody else feel that one a little bit, a little bit of a sting? Sometimes our stuff gets in the way, doesn't it? Whatever that might be. Distracted, they could not lead anyone else to know Jesus, um, who Jesus was either. So if we can't see past our stuff, we can't lead others to see past their stuff, can we? And how important is that to a dying community? To a community that's thirsting for that living water? If we can't see past our own stuff, how can they? Does the same problem persist today? Do we still have these kind of issues? Can we get caught up in the things that we do rather than the person of Jesus? I know these are obvious questions. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be facetious. Um, there are seasons that we can go through in our life where... where the works that we we do, can be rather important to us. However, if we are focused on the person and the salvation that comes through Jesus, what we do becomes that overflow. It becomes something that is just pouring out of our lives rather than something we've made matter most. Number two, beware Knife-happy circumcisers. Um, The end of the verse 3, ESV says, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And many of the versions say that. um, But 
again, Eugene Peterson, he's got, he's got a way with words sometimes, and this one has some images that we just don't want to go, um, but uh, knife, happy circumcisers. The phrase in the Greek is the, the ten katantomen, which I'm probably butchering horribly, but um, it, it's, it's a, a phrase that is a play on circumcision. It's almost like a snarky remark to those, the, those, those Judaizers. Um, you know, in, in some English versions, it'll say concision in your version, maybe. Um, and that's a, also a play on circumcision. Because he goes on to say how we are the circumcision. And he's, he's, he's just has these little snarky remarks in there. And um, how many of you know that the, the word can be... Um, rather funny at times. There can be some humor in there, um, even in, in things that are unintentional um, or things that are intentional. I mean, the, probably the most used joke is, the, is Jesus with the, you know, like, I, I can see him like taking a piece of wood and going, hey, let, let me get that speck out of your eye, you know. I mean, I can see the guys kind of chuckling about it, but it, it sinks in when you laugh about it, right? That, those kind of lessons. And I, I think this is a snarky little remark, a bit biting, um, about those that are focused so much on, on the circumcision. This was a criticism of those that, that held it um, as, as being a gateway to salvation. Some versions... Um, uh, Paul goes on to contrast this um, is all with uh, the statement, um, we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. We are the circumcision. Our confidence is in Jesus. Jesus plus nothing else. Jesus, period. Jesus. Okay, so what does this mean to us today? What does it mean for us today? We're not necessarily facing Judaizers, knife-happy circumcisers. I hope not. What does it mean to us? What does it mean to people in our community? What does it mean to our friends and our families? You know, the Judaizers were trying to make everyone else like them. That was the comfort for them. Their comfortability was anything different than them was not of God. They wanted everybody to be just like them. And this would justify everything that they did and everything that they said. We see this today. We do this today. Am I the only one here? All right. I didn't know if I had fallen asleep. Huh? What? Yeah. <laughs> the Judaizers expected people to be like them. They, they expected um, people to want to be like them. Is that kind of crazy? You've heard the phrase like, you know, um, if you, you, you continue to this, do the same thing, expecting different results. That's the, the definition of insanity. Well, they kept doing the same thing. We keep doing the same things. The church does over and over again. We expect people to want to be like us. And of course, we can do this today. Things are always 
at their best when they are expected, right? We're always just like, yeah, when we know what to expect, it's a good day, right? We come home and we're like, hey, it was a good day today. Why is that? Everything went the same. <laughs> Nothing out of sorts. But one of the, the most damaging things in our culture today is unmet expectations. Ours and others. Either I am hurt because I have not lived up to someone else's expectations. Anybody feel that? Feel like there's expectations of you and you haven't met them? Or you're hurt because somebody else didn't meet up to your expectations. This is probably the key or the, the cornerstone to offense. An offense can eat your lunch. Either that or a really long sermon. <laughs> I have to say that unmet expectations are about as useful as the pet rock. The pet rock. I have one of those too. I mean, okay, it has a good use, maybe if you've been locked out of your, your house. That's about it, right? But unmet expectations, I mean, it's just, it's just about as useful as that. Um, How people look, how they are dressed, what they, they sometimes say, it does not speak to their character. It does not speak to, um, or even to the possibility of salvation in their lives or righteousness in their lives. Yet how often do we put a weight on that? How often do we put that weight onto other people? and demand them to meet it. Is that our God? Is that Jesus? Did he put weight on people? Or did he truly mean what he said when he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light? Yet we often make judgments from these things. We decide who people are and give them a value based on what we see and hear. How, how many have heard of date stamping people? You ever heard of that? This date stamping. It's kind of like date stamping milk. Best Buy, right? There's a sense that when we have decided who somebody is, we stamp them. And that's all they can be in our hearts. And Anybody else just, oh cringing at that, that thought, because we all do this. Um, there are people that we might even dismiss in our lives that could be some of the dearest friends. That could be somebody that God brought into your life for a time of need that you don't even foresee because of what they have gone through that you don't understand. <laughs> and it's a sense of us being those Judaizers and, 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 and trying to show what righteousness is all about to those around us through these expectations that we have. But yet Romans 3.10 says, no one is righteous. No, not one. There's power in the word, isn't there? Our righteousness is not based on anything about us. Nothing about us. 
It is based solely on what Christ has done for us. And this is why when you spend time with a group of new believers, that are, there's a high likelihood you're going to hear some language that's going to make you blush. In prayer. I've been with, with some young adults and they're praying and they drop an F-bomb in the middle of a prayer and I guarantee you that God was glorified by that heart of that new believer lifting up to God what little he had. They may dress in ways that just confound us. Their hair may confound us. I know when you start to get older is when you start noticing certain styles and you start going, well, I, you know know what I'm saying? You're about to finish that sentence of, well, I would have never worn that in my day or I would have never worn my hair like that in my day. But it's something we got to catch our tongue because I know that there are people in the community, not in the church, that have said those things and damaged a generation or two. And the church is the place where they need to feel like they can come and it's home. You know, there, there's some ideas that might be different. They may have ideas that are out on the edge. But you know what? There's, a, there's an excitement when we don't live in the land of unmet expectations. There is an excitement. When there... When we live in a land where, where people have these ideas that are not like our own, yet they still match up with the word, and they still match up with kingdom-empowered lives, it is so exciting to see. Seeing people baptized, seeing them raise their hand or come forward, however we do that to take on eternity. That's exciting, isn't it? As an example of unmet expectation, say you have the senior pastor that everyone expects maybe to sit in the front row. (laughs) That doesn't sit in the front row and, and that doesn't meet up with your expectations. I'm just apologizing now. Please forgive me. Give me, Lord. Um, It may just be a holdover from me being a worship pastor and standing every weekend in the front and having the opportunity to stand in the back and hear God's people worshiping and praising him and seeing what God is doing in your lives. I'll stand in the back. Maybe a little further to walk, but we're a good team, right? Now, I mean, this, this, that's not an expectation that's going to lead to offense. We, we all understand that. It, it, but, it, but it gives you an idea that expectations can only limit our impact in others' lives. Our expectations are like a wall to people outside of our community. But if we lay those expectations down at the foot of the cross... Just like every other thing in our life, the sin, we lay that down. We're good at that. We, we lay those, those things that we need to be corrected in. We lay, lay our children. We lay our grandchildren. We lay people in our lives that are, that are hurting, that need healing. We lay them down at the cross, but our expectations, those are mine. It's the same thing 
people, we've got to lay those down before the cross and let Jesus wash those expectations away. Because when people come in, you know what? You know what? Uh, there are some people that all they need is someone to come up and hug them because they haven't been touched in their life. And that's not to get creepy, okay? But there is something about, I mean, uh, us men. Men, it's okay to be touched, to be hugged, to hug other men. Because you know what? There's something that breaks down in us. Those walls that we create between other men and ourselves break down and we find a brotherhood and we can just touch. Our hurts are healed better in proximity with one another. But there are people in the community that need to hear from us. They need to feel us as a community. Number three, Beware confident flesh. Confident flesh. In verse 3, Paul starts into this litany of qualifications. We're kind of like, okay, humility, Paul. (laughs) Um, But he starts into these qualifications, and you're just kind of like, wow, okay, he's top dog. All right. Excuse the reference there. Um, But he's talking about... uh, being able to confident, uh, have that confidence in the flesh, he has a better past than most others did. Um, he starts it with this, this comment of glory in, um, putting glory in Christ and putting no confidence in the flesh. And such a simple statement can be so profound. We are um, to put glory in, in the flesh that is Jesus. That's a confidence that we can have, a flesh we can have confidence in. And not confidencing, uh, in, or confidencing in our own flesh. Not having that confidence in our own flesh. We are so fallible, so shallow, how can we ever have confidence in our own flesh? Unless our flesh is subject to Jesus. And we are in his flesh. And he is in us. Now as I get older, the... Um, I know there are things that are starting to fail me. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Our flesh starts to fail us. Well, it started f- failing us long before because of sin that entered the world. But, but there's that sense where things start to fail. Um, I, you know, I, I may go and shovel some snow <laughs> and throw my back out, which I did uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, or you, you might go out for a run or, or a walk and your knee just it's clicking and just not doing what you want it to. You might just try to get up. <laughs> I've had those mornings just like, oh, I want to go back to bed because I'm, I'm feeling older. And you might find as you're getting, um, you know, getting active through the day that Advil is now like, like you may, maybe should have named one of your firstborn after Advil. <laughs> your friend Advil. Thank you, Advil. I have confidence in Advil. That's bad. <laughs> The thing is, when Paul t- talks about having no confidence in our own flesh, it's not, it's not really uh, about whether or not our flesh will perform. Because our flesh will perform a certain way. It'll it perform certain things. It, we know that. We, we have confidence in the things that our flesh can do. This is confidence, rather, it, it's about the, um, our flesh even at its best not being able to come close to the glory that is Jesus. 
Not even close. And Paul confirms this, uh, confirms this in his resume as he lays it out in four, uh, verses 4 through 6. If anyone thinks he is, has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He's, he's, he's kind of dialing it in. He's just dialing in this focus. Uh, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church as to the righteous under the law, blameless. Whew, Paul thinks pretty good of himself here. Um, carrying his resume around and handing out his card to everybody. Here, uh, Paul, apostle. I don't have a number because that hasn't been invented yet, but... Um, Check out my tweets, carved on the wall over there. Um, really, Paul was using this argument about himself to point to the sheer absurdity that we can um, ever reach a place of righteousness aside from faith in Jesus. Um, number four, this is um, our point today. It goes along with our big idea, and uh, this final point is Jesus matters most. It's hard to get to that place because sometimes we, we, the stuff in our lives is right here. And sometimes it feels like Jesus is so far off. And yet, even with those things that are grabbing for our attention, health of family, our kids, their education, what's going to happen at church, what's Tony making today? Uh, when we put Jesus in the center, when we put Jesus closer... We may have things close here, but we pull Jesus in closer because he matters more. Those things seem to just push back Amen. and become less, I wouldn't say less important, but they're less of a worry. There's less stress. Paul cycles through this idea of gain and loss over and over again. Um, and really what... Um, it goes through this three times for us to really get whatever we do is nothing in comparison to knowing Jesus. Um, it, it goes through this, uh, but whatever um, gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order to, um, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through the faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. There are some very key things in Scripture that we know are key things because um, there, there are certain little tells that help us to see that we need to pay attention. And one of those, um, whenever we see in the word, the word therefore, we really have to look around to see what the therefore is there for. Now, you'll never forget that. I had a pastor do that one time, and it's just stuck in my head. So every time I see a therefore, I look around and see what the therefore is there for. It's usually in the middle of whatever is important. I mean, okay, so here's a good example. Um, you know Psalm 119, the psalm that goes on forever, really long one. Um, in verse 129, it says this, Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. Pretty simple. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. It's a super short one, super simple. God's, God's word, when we come to those therefores, it's kind of like a word problem. You know what I mean? 
the, the train going one way and then <laughs> not much of a math person, so the, those usually get me, but, but I really pay attention when I see those therefores because it's like God math. Because there's like, there's the, you know, um, your testimonies are wonderful. So testimonies, wonderful, plus. And then therefore, so equals, so I'll keep them. Pretty simple, right? And there's big, long litany of um, whatever the therefores are therefore in Paul's word, uh, words that he's shared with us because he usually has run-on sentences for like a couple chapters. <laughs> then there's a therefore, and then he goes on again. So you, ha you have to look out for those therefores and, and look back. The other thing that we see um, that we have to watch for, and we see this probably more than the therefores, is whenever Scripture repeats itself, Whenever somebody in Scripture repeats themselves, it's because we're dumb sheep. Can you agree? Yes. And if we have something repeated to us, then we need to repeat it, dwell on it, meditate on it, because that's something we need to learn. And, and Paul went through this and talks about everything that he has as a gain is a loss. Any gains, plural, are a loss, singular. So if you look at the original language, there's a plural. Everything that I have is a loss when compared to the immeasurable value of Jesus. The bottom line, what we think of as gain, most likely is a loss when compared to that surpassing glory of Christ. And what we think of a, is a loss or a failure in some way may be a gain in the kingdom of God. Again, it's almost like math. My head hurts. In the world, a loss or failure is something that we, we typically avoid or we typically shove, hide under the piano. However, in the kingdom, a loss or failure is a learning experience that points to Jesus. We should lift up loss and failure, shouldn't we? Because it points to Jesus. Does that sound like, that, that sound like kingdom logic? It doesn't sound like my logic. It sounds like kingdom logic. And I think as a church, there may be a sense of, um, of us learning to... Um, Learning to have a, a theology of loss, a theology of failure, that when we have um, leaders that are trying things and they fail at it, that's okay. You tried something. Try something else. That's a good thing, isn't it? Isn't that a safe thing? For people that are trying out Jesus, if they feel like they can come in and just try something and, and they fail and people are like... Yeah, you tried. How would that make you feel? Pretty good, right? Rather than, oh, you didn't meet my expectation. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> As a church, the sense of, of loss is something we're always going to face. We're going to lose friends and family. We're going to lose things. We're going to lose over and over again, because those are some of the trials that we face in this life. And we were promised trials. We were not promised safety. Did anybody catch that? I mean, I, that's the word I read. 
and I signed on for this. <laughs> he did not promise safety. He promised an adventure. Yeah. And an adventure can be painful. It can be arduous. You can have loss. You can have failure. You're going to have times where you have to start back up a different trail because the trail you were on was not working out. How many have lost jobs and lost career paths but gone a different direction because of what God did in your life? And you're thankful for it. Failure and loss. Let's just leave the expectations at the foot of the cross. Failure and loss. You've heard it said that failure is not an option. And I'm saying that the church, in the church, failure needs to be an option. Because if we don't have failure, we're not trying anything. We're doing what's expected. Did Jesus do what was expected? Do you think people expected him to go into the, uh, the money changers and start whipping people and turning over tables and yelling? That wasn't something he did before, right? It was very apparent to the, uh, that the disciples didn't expect that he was going to tell them to go get that bread and start breaking it and start working after they were told that they were going to get a retreat. Like, you told us we're going to go up in the hills and there's all these people. Send them away so they can go eat something and we can go on our retreat. He said, no, we're going to work. These people need to eat, so you're going to put on your aprons. All we have is this. Have you not seen, have you not heard who I am? Have you not seen the miraculous in your lives already? Break it. Let's, let's break into this party. He never did anything that was fully expected. Because he did things that weren't safe. Well, I, I want to I share a song with you. Um, I, I've been wrestling with this. Um, you ever have those things where you feel like God's telling you to do something and, and you're like, why? I'm getting a lot of sleep. And, you know, when you feel like there's I find when there's whining, it's usually an indication that, that God's really just saying, okay, but I want to work unexpectedly in you. You're going to ask people to work unexpectedly in their communities. I need to work unexpectedly in this church and through you and through the people here. Um, won't you stand? Um, I, we're not going to have the words up for this, but this is a song we're going to sing next week. You may have heard it before. There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest, of the sweetest of loves. 
Where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. We sing holy. and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence. Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, your presence, Lord, oh, your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. And we praise you, Father God. We thank you for your presence in our lives. Praise you, Lord. Remove our expectations, God. Obliterate them in the presence of you. Help us to look and, and see your expectations of us. <laughs> Just to be your children, God. To follow after Jesus, to get on this way that is so important. And help us to not have expectations of those that could be coming to you and may take a while to do it. It's okay. We praise you, Father God. We thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, everyone, um, I want to thank you for coming today. Again, we've got uh, Tony doing those awesome things in there. Please stick around. Um, if you if you need to pray with somebody, grab somebody and just pray with them. Um, if you wanna if you wanna um, hang around and spend some time, um, just thankful for you to be here. One more time, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, as you send us out today, give us voice into some people's lives that they might hear from you um, through us, uh, not because 
Uh, we want to be built up, um, but we know that that'll happen, but that we want to see your kingdom built up, and we want to see people coming to your saving grace. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. you are, amen. God bless you.